Hmm. Yawn. Four seconds. What are you doing? Oh, you had said that you don't do anything personal during work time, so I'm just making sure. Oh, wait a minute. So you're going to time me every time I yawn? That's absurd. Really? Personal conversation. 17 seconds. There is no way that that was... One second. He has not stopped working for a second. At 12.45, he sneezed while keeping his eyes open, which I always thought was impossible. And on the flip side, I've been so busy watching him that I haven't even started work. That's exhausting, being this vigilant. I'll probably have to go home early today. Good morning, Hope. My name is Danny. I'm a pastor here at Hope Ames. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you today. I have a question for you. How are you at spending your time? Do you handle it in healthy ways, or do you sometimes spend it in some more unhealthy ways? We're on our last week of this series called Taking Care of You, and we are talking today about how we spend our time, because the way that we spend our time directly impacts our quality of life. Thank you so much to my helpers who are coming out here, and, and let's give God a hand of praise for them, huh? Hand of a praise. I don't know what that means, but cool. So glad uh, that, that I got all the help that I can get. Thank you, guys. So we're in the last week of our series called Taking Care of You, and we're talking about how we spend our time because it goes hand in hand with our quality of life. Now, remember, this series is based on Jesus's most important command. I open this series with this passage. and I'm going to close this series with this passage. It's in Matthew chapter 22. Some people ask Jesus, what's the most important thing someone who follows God can do with their life? And Jesus said, would you read this with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say, as myself. As myself. God thinks you're worth loving. You know that? God thinks you are worth loving. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're worth loving? When Jesus said the most important commandment in the entire script, in all of the scriptures, he said, make sure you love yourself. Now, keep in mind, that is not the end of it. We don't uh, follow all the commands of God just so that we can love ourselves better. No, loving ourselves and receiving God's love is the starting point. Once we know how to receive love, then we'll know how to share love. Because also remember this, as human beings, we don't create love. God gives us love. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, we love because he loved us first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says, this is real love. It's not that we loved God. We didn't start it. But it's that God loved us first and sent his son for us. We receive love and then we get to share love. Now, again, time has a lot to do with the way that we, uh, time goes hand in hand with how healthy we are as people. Time also goes hand in hand with how we're receiving love for ourselves. Sometimes we're not very gracious with ourselves about how we handle our time. Sometimes we beat ourselves up about time, but sometimes we're just handling our, our, our time in such unhealthy ways, and we know that it's not good for us, but we think that we have to keep on pushing on that. But it's not good. So let me ask you again, how are you at spending your time? Now, statistically speaking, we probably are not very good at it, most people in this room. Studies say that 82% of people do not have any sort of effective uh, time management strategies in place. Some of you are like, duh. 
of course. Now, a lot of us have to-do lists, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily have good ways of managing our time. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Research also finds that people who spend 10 minutes a day thinking through how they're going to spend their time throughout the day will save an average of two hours every single day. Isn't that crazy? To know that you could have two more hours to spend every single day if we just thought a little bit more about how we're spending our time? It goes hand in hand with our quality of life. This is what Harvard Medical School says. Those with healthy time management systems are less likely to experience stress, sleep issues, anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. They're also less likely to experience workplace burnout. That sounds nice, doesn't it? It sounds really good. This is why we have to talk about this. Now, I want to tell you this. Before I go any further, I need to admit, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at the way that I spend my time. I get way too caught up in one thing and I forget about another thing. I'm a person, because of the way that I've handled my time, I've dropped the ball, I've forgotten stuff, I've let people down. I'm not necessarily good at the way that I handle my time. Just recently, I called my wife and I said, hey, I'll be home by five o'clock, I've got a few more things I need to do, and she said, okay, I'll see you at seven. <laughs> and I was a little bit offended. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I have to get done. I know how much time I have. And I was bothered by it until I walked in the door at 7.15, and she wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> so I would like for us to commit together. Can we commit together to work at how we're spending our time, not just because we want to get more work done, but because God says that it is good for us to care for ourselves. And one of the ways that we can care for ourselves is spending our time in healthy ways. Now, I think that in order to spend our time in healthy ways, one of the things that we have to do is kind of change our perspective on time management in general. Because some of us, some of us get caught up in this. So let me just ask you this question first. Are you a time manager? And it's kind of a trick question. I'm not trying to be like smarty pants about this, but you cannot manage time, can you? A manager is someone who is in, or who is in charge. A manager is someone who gets to tell something what to do. And you don't get to tell time what to do, do you? I want you to try really, really hard for just a second. Try really, really hard to make this next second longer. Ready? Think. I mean, come on, right? It's silly. It's ridiculous. You can't actually manage time. You cannot tell it what to do. This is why pictures and videos are so valuable to us, right? Let me show you one of my favorite pictures. Pictures and videos, they have a way of freezing time for us. They do something for us that we cannot actually do. This is one of my favorite pictures. This was when I was in college. That's my, me and my brother John and my sister Christy. I was a junior at Warburg College. I went over to Luther College to visit my sister. My brother came down from Wisconsin where he was living at the time. And we went to uh, one of our, a concert of one of our favorite bands that night. And it's one of my favorite pictures because it's one of my favorite moments in time. And I wish I could go back. I wish I could have frozen that moment in time, but I can't. I can't freeze that moment in time. And I can't go back because I'm not in charge of time. I'm not in charge of time, but I am in charge of my priorities. And so are you. And our priorities have a lot to do with the way that we spend our time. So I want to say this, no, you cannot Man, you cannot manage time, you cannot control time, you cannot tell time what to do, but maybe that's the first step toward, toward spending our, our time in healthier ways. 
Because if we surrender that and just admit, no, I, I cannot put 25 hours of work into a 24-hour period of time. I cannot go back. I cannot go forward. I cannot skip around. I cannot make this, this minute last longer than it's actually going to last. Then maybe it might change the way that I act in the time. Maybe then I might be more intentional with the person in front of me because I would remember, I cannot necessarily bring this person with me to the next moment in time. You cannot tell time what to do. You live in time. But you get to decide how you prioritize your time. You get to decide what you do in the time. Jesus talks about our priorities and how we ought to be spending the time that we do have without pretending like we can control time, make it longer than it actually is, make it shorter than it actually is, freeze in that moment. He says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, in your time, I'm paraphrasing there, but in your time, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Jesus says, Depending on how you prioritize the things in your time, that will help you receive everything else that you need. But it starts somewhere. We have to start with the most important thing first. So many of us spend our time with the less important stuff in life, right? Like we all talk about all these different things that we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to all these different activities, all these different events, check off all these different tasks. And sometimes it doesn't feel like there's enough time in the day. But... If we're really honest about how we're spending the time behind closed doors, maybe we might have to admit that, okay, maybe I'm not like the greatest at spending my time in the world. I read some of these this week and it was actually pretty convicting for me because I thought, you know, I'm a really busy person. And then I saw these stats and I thought, maybe I'm not as busy as I thought. So sometimes we focus and spend our time and prioritize our time on the wrong stuff. Some of the small, less meaningful things, stuff that we probably shouldn't make a priority. Every day, the average person in the United States will spend nearly three hours checking their phone or computer, like texting or emailing, will spend four hours a day watching TV, two and a half hours on social media, 96 minutes surfing non-work and non-school related websites, 90 minutes in daily interruptions, and if you don't think you get interrupted, you might be the interruption at work, so just you know, be careful on that, right? We spend 35 minutes deciding what to eat. We spend 16 minutes deciding what to wear. We spend seven minutes thinking about exercise. Mind you, not exercising, just thinking about exercise. And we spend one minute reading this list. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I made up that last one because, I mean, really, that's what we do. Like, we don't always spend our time in the right way. You can't control it, but you get to decide what you do in it. And sometimes we prioritize the wrong stuff, don't we? Like we start with the things that are minuscule, the things that don't matter that much. Imagine that this jar is all the time that you get, right? Imagine that this is all the time that you get. And I think I'm missing a jar somewhere back there. So if somebody could get that for me, that would be really important for the illustration. But <laughs> this jar is about the time that you get, right? And we think, well, I've got a lot of different things that I want to fit into my time. Okay, and so we start with things that are probably as small and maybe as minuscule as, as, as like sand, right? Oh yeah, thank you, Pete. And so we're thinking there's no way that I'm gonna be able to fit everything, right? Maybe you've seen this illustration before. But then you're like, okay, so that's like the less important stuff. The things that are about as important as a grain of sand, right? Like it's not big, it's not huge, but I'm spending a lot of my time doing it. 
and it's not healthy, and I know it, but I don't know, Facebook is addicting. And then I've got things that are like a little bit more important, right? Like they're pebbles, you know? And I'm like, okay, so I can fill my time with a little bit more of that. And I'm thinking, okay, this is already full. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, my goodness, why don't I have the time for my family that I want, right? Like, I mean, come on, my family means so much to me, but we're not having dinner together at night, like, so it's a bigger thing, right? Way more important stuff, way bigger than the sand, way bigger than the pebbles. Like, what are we doing, right? Okay. And then when Jesus says, the first thing that you ought to seek in your life is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus says kingdom of God a lot throughout the scriptures. And essentially what he's saying when he says kingdom of God is he means right relationship with God. Now, when you're in right relationship with God, you are the person who loves your neighbor as yourself. So as you get into right relationship with God, you're also getting into right relationship with life, with your life, and with the lives of people around you. And we're like, okay, but my life is already so full, so how in the world am I going to take time for my faith? Sunday morning comes around, it's 9.30, and it's like, well, God would understand, right? No! Just kidding, okay. Maybe we're prioritizing it in the wrong way. Like, like maybe we're just a little bit off. And maybe we need a little bit of help. You'd be surprised how much stuff can fit in your day. I mean, really, when we think about how much of our time like, we're really not like, spending in the best ways, we're going to have a little bit of a cleanup after church day, and that's okay. <laughs> Jesus says, I want you to seek the kingdom of God first. Put the important stuff first. You start with the important stuff, fits, right? And then, okay, well, then there's the other things that are important, the things that matter. It's my family. It's maybe it's my passions. Maybe it's my purpose, whatever that might be. Okay, it fits. That's great. And then we have these other things, which still matter. Like, you should still have a high quality of life. You should still be able to be entertained. You should still have a social life. You should still have fun. And maybe that's this stuff. Again, it's going to be a big, messy cleanup. And all of a sudden, like, what? my life actually can hold more than that if I just put the right thing first. And if I could scoop this in the right way possible, we'd see even more things we can fit. Now, the truth is, you will not be able to fit absolutely everything. And I think that that's a good moment in this illustration to point out. You will not be able to fit absolutely everything. There are some things that are simply not important. And we don't need them in our life as, maybe, as much as maybe we think that we do. And sometimes those things that we don't actually need in our life are a little bit surprising. Like, it's not just Facebook. It's not just the TV. It's not just the emails. It's not just the text messages. I get it. Sometimes those urgent things are important, and you cannot finish your day until you get done with those things, right? But I'm just asking, are there things in your life that God's saying, you know what, it's not that important for your quality of life? And it's not that important for the purpose that I have for you. Are there things in your life that God's maybe asking you to surrender? Not because God doesn't like you, but because God wants you to have a healthy life. Because God wants you to care. Because God wants you to love the world around you. And sometimes this is the stuff that gets in the way. So what is that for you? I, I can't tell you. I, I don't know exactly what your daily schedule is like. I don't know what it is that's being filled. But maybe we have a better idea of it than we like to admit. 
If we really analyze our schedule, if we really look at it, if we really took those 10 minutes at the beginning of the day to plan out our day, to think about what's going to happen, we might even save two hours. But what is it? There are things in this life that we think that we need right now desperately, right? Children and students are more involved in activities than they've ever been in their entire life. And yet, children and students also, statistically speaking, are lonelier than they've ever been in the entire history of this country. Isn't that interesting? Now, I saw stuff on children and students this week, but I have to think that it's similar to adults too, right? I mean, oftentimes we think, if I just get my kids involved in more stuff, if I just get involved in more stuff, then I'll be more satisfied, then I'll be more full. Well, you might be more full, but you won't be necessarily filled up on what you need to be filled up on. And that's important to notice the difference between the two. Whether it's children, students, young adults, parents, well into your career, retired, there are 24 hours in your day, and you don't get to tell those 24 hours what to do. You don't get to make them longer. You don't get to make them shorter. You don't get to freeze them. But you do get to prioritize the things that you do in them. And sometimes the things that we're putting in our life, the way that we're filling our time, the way that we're spending our time, it's not helping us and it's not helping the people around us. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, not because Jesus is selfish or controlling or only wants you to ever pay attention to him, but instead Jesus does want you to see the world through him. And so he says, start with the kingdom of God. Start with your relationship with God and you will see that it directly impacts the rest of your life. There's a reason why Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's everything. It's all interconnected. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about our physical health and well-being and how God wants to take care of that too. But there's a reason why all those things are interconnected. Because we are a whole person. You have a soul. In the Bible, there's this word soul. In the Hebrew, it's called nefesh. Will you say nefesh? nefesh. And nefesh literally means your life source. It's everything that makes you, you. And all those things that make you, you are unique and they're special and they're awesome and they're wonderful. And God wants to use all of those things to bless this world and to bless you. And we are not loving ourselves. We are not receiving the blessings that God wants to give us. We're not sharing the blessings that God's given us to share with other people. When we just fill our things with, the, with the, when we fill our stuff, when, if, when we fill our life with the sand size stuff. It doesn't mean that sand-sized stuff doesn't belong in your life somewhere. It does. You should have fun. Part of caring for yourself is having fun. But how we spend our time does matter. And when we start with the kingdom of God, things follow after that. There was a really old theologian, one of the first theologians in the history of the Christian church. His name was St. Augustine. Say St. Augustine. I think it's a fun name to say. Some people say Augustine. Some people say Augustine. Some people say Augustine. In seminary, my professor said, Augustine. So we're going to go with Augustine. He talked about how the main reason why we sin is because oftentimes we disorder our love. We love something third that we should love seventh. We love something fifth that we should love second. We disorder our love. We misprioritize things. And so it causes us to mess up our relationships it causes us to mess up our days. It causes us to misprioritize things. Now, in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, the first, the first command, and in this case, and in this example, the first love, is to have no other gods. To love God before anything, anyone, anything else. And if we get that first right, 
everything else in the Ten Commandments follow. Go ahead and check it out. If you love God first, the other things, the other commandments actually follow after that. If you love God first, you will love your family more. If you love God first, you will understand where your passions go more. Because God prioritizes our life in a way that says, I want you to put me first, people second, passions third. And everything else follows after that. Like, I think it's so important to just name that. As Christians, before anything else, we put the kingdom of God at the top because it means a right relationship with God and it means a right relationship with other people. It goes God, it goes other people. And in other people, yes, that does include ourselves too. And then it goes our passions. But so oftentimes we misprioritize it and even the things that are beneath the passions, like we throw that in there and we put it in first and we overemphasize and we think this is the thing that's gonna save me or make me happy. And it just doesn't do it, does it? In the Bible, there is this incredible story that's basically a case study that tells us how do we seek the kingdom of God first? What does it look like to seek the kingdom of God first? You heard about it in the Bible reading this morning. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's about Mary and Martha. It says this, that Jesus walked to Martha's home when he and his followers were on their way to Jerusalem. We know a few things about Mary and Martha. We know that their brother was Lazarus. We know that these three siblings were very close friends of Jesus. They show up throughout the gospel accounts. You know about Lazarus if you've read John. Uh, if you read the book of John, Lazarus is the guy that Jesus raises from the dead. It's this incredible miracle. But we don't actually learn that much about Lazarus's personality. We do learn a lot about Lazarus's sister's personality and what makes them them. We learn about their souls. We learn about their drives. We learn about their passions. We learn about who they are. It's really fascinating. Right off the top where we see Mary welcome Jesus to her home, what we're finding out is that Mary is the leader of the family. She's the one that provides. She's the one that who owns the home. She's the one who takes care of the finances. She's the one who cares for the family and makes sure that they're able to live. She's driven. I wonder how she spends her time. Meanwhile, there's her sister, Mary. And Mary is a little bit different than Martha. Doesn't mean that Mary's better. It doesn't mean that Mary's worse. But Mary's different than Martha. Martha, on one hand, is an initiator. When Jesus showed up to the funeral for Lazarus, Martha walks up to Jesus and she says, where were you? And then she directly guides him to the tomb. Meanwhile, Mary just waits for Jesus to come. And she cries on his shoulder. And so it kind of makes sense that when we see this story in Luke chapter 10, how their personalities are playing out. It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Now, right off the top, I mean, if you've read the Bible before, if you know where this sermon is going, if you've sat in church before, you probably know, like, okay, it's probably better to sit at the feet of Jesus than to do what Martha's doing, right? Okay, yes, that's where this story is going. But keep in mind, Jesus is never going to tell Martha, you're doing something bad. He never tells Martha, what you're doing doesn't matter. What you're doing isn't important. What you're doing just shouldn't ever happen, right? But right off the top, we're already getting this hint. Like, okay, Mary seems to be more at peace. It's using words for Martha like distracted. It's a big dinner. She's got a lot going on. Can you relate? I mean, do you know what it's like to prepare for somebody when they're coming over? It's very distracting. But there's something about Mary. But there's something about Mary. She's seeking the kingdom of God. And how is she doing it? She's seeking the kingdom of God by sitting at the Lord's feet. She knows what is important. 
She knows what really matters. She's not urgent about things in this moment. There are probably urgent and pressing things in her life, but she's addressing the important thing in her life. There's a difference between important and urgent, right? I think that one of the things that when we seek first the kingdom of God, we know the difference between what's important and what's urgent. Urgent are the emergencies. It doesn't mean that urgency doesn't happen. There are things that are urgent that will show up in your life and you just have to take care of them. But there are some urgent things that like do maybe need to get done, but maybe not done by you. And that's when it's our time to focus on what's important. I'm not saying that the things that are urgent in life we never take care of. But what about just now? What is your heart focused on? Where is your heart finding peace? In getting done the never-ending list of urgent items? Or actually resting in what's important? Sometimes my wife and I can be a little bit different. In some ways that like Mary and Martha were a little bit different, right? So Abby, like... When people are coming over to our home, Abby likes to make sure that they feel welcome and at peace and calm, right? And so the way that we prepare for people coming over, like, it's different, you know? Like, Abby will make sure that the house smells good. She'll pay attention to what kind of music is going to be played. She'll pay attention to what we're going to be eating. When they walk in, she wants them to know that they feel welcome and that they feel home. For me, when they walk in, I want them to know that the home is sterile. You know? We have like different approaches on this. And like, it's not that like one isn't important, like one doesn't matter, like they both matter, but one's more important and one's just more urgent. Like sometimes you're not gonna be able to get your house perfectly clean before people come over. Now here's the real kicker, right? You will never be able to get your house, and I'm not just talking about your physical house or your home, completely in order or completely perfect before Jesus walks in. Know this, when it comes to seeking the kingdom of God, when it comes to having a right relationship with God, which leads you to a right relationship with life, others, and yourself in the world around you, you do not have to get your life perfectly in order. All of those urgent things do not have to get checked off the list. Instead, we get to focus on what is important. What if we really thought about the difference between urgency and importance? I get it. Urgent things show up. But there's peace and focusing on what's important, and sometimes letting go of what is urgent. You don't have to get your life perfectly in order just for people to be around you, just for Jesus to come into your life, to seek the kingdom of God. You don't have to get everything knocked off the checklist. You can prioritize your time differently than that. There's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, understanding the difference between importance and urgency. And now we look at Martha again, and it says, but Martha was distracted again by the big dinner. She's distracted. She's frantic. She's going all over the place. And we can understand what that's like, right? We can understand what that's like, but I think it's important for us to, in those moments, ask God, when you are feeling restless, when you are feeling just everything is up in a frenzy, you just cannot control yourself, right? You're freaking out. People are coming over to have a good time at your home and you're fighting with your family. This is Thanksgiving. We need to be happy. <laughs> That's a moment when we can seek the kingdom of God too. We can stop and we can ask God. We can ask Christ. Next slide. What's distracting me from Jesus? What is distracting me from the kingdom of God right now? What's distracting me from peace? What's distracting me from knowing what's important? What's distracting me? What's holding me back? 
Again, I can just tell you, this is something that I really struggle with. I tend to be urgent-minded. When someone comes to me with something, I immediately think, okay, when am I going to get it done? How am I going to get it done? It has to get done now and as quick as possible, right? The problem is, is that pile of things can add up on your desk very quickly. I think that sometimes people think, okay, well, everybody just has commitment issues. Nobody's ever committed to anything. They don't ever get anything done. Maybe the root of our commitment issues is that we're overcommitted. We have way too much going on. We have unlimited access of stuff to do. There can always be more stuff to do. And in those moments, we need to seek the kingdom of God by asking, what's distracting me from Jesus right now? And when we eliminate the things that are distracting us from Jesus, we also find that we're eliminating the things that are distracting us from the most important relationships in our life. And it starts to reorder our love. And it starts to reorder our life into a place of health. It's caring for ourselves. Now, again, Martha, she's distracted, and she's so distracted that not only is she in a fuss about the things that she's doing, but she also becomes in a fuss about the relationships in her life. Like, it's not just like you get in a frenzy about the stuff that you're doing. You also start to get agitated. Like we said, you get frustrated. It's Thanksgiving. My goodness, what are you doing? Fighting. We need to be at peace. People are coming over. And Martha does it. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Isn't that interesting? Anybody else here ever told God what to do? I mean, it's even more ridiculous than telling time what to do. We don't get to do that. I mean, like, God takes it. He's a loving parent. He listens to us. He knows how we talk when we're freaking out. But man, talk about just being so urgent that we forget about what's important. I mean, she's completely lost here, isn't she? It's not just now about the stuff that she has to do, but now it's turned into the people who are in her way. Let me be really clear about this. People do not get in our way of stuff. Stuff gets in our way of people. The Christian, the follower of Jesus, is more concerned with people than stuff. Not saying that anybody in this room does it perfectly. I know that I don't. But as we follow Jesus closer, we begin to see that people have more value than any stuff, any thing, any whatever we can do. We don't get to tell God what to do. And when we do, God's not going to affirm the stuff that we want him to, right? Just because we come to God with something about a complaint, like, Mary, hey, give it to Martha, right? She has a conflict. She brings it right up. She's not passive aggressive. She names it. Jesus, tell her what to do, right? But Jesus is not going to affirm the things that are hurting our relationship with him, that are hurting our relationship with other people, and in turn are hurting our relationship with ourselves. It's not good for us. Jesus responds to her instead by saying, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset. Oh, Martha, you're worried and upset. I can't remember if it was at the 930 service last week um, where in the sermon we listened to about mental health. Absolutely powerful, moving sermon. It's been amazing to hear how many people have responded to that. But last week during that sermon, um, during one of the, I, I watched all of them throughout the weekend because I'm a Christian. That's what we do, right? So um, I, 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 I'm hoping it was the 930. But uh, my dad, when he was preaching, he, he talked about this word worried. And in the biblical Greek, what it literally means is to be broken up into pieces. Like to be spread thin, broken across the floor. Does anybody feel like they have such a broken relationship with time that they feel like they're just broken and spread apart across the floor? 
Like when Jesus is talking to Martha, he's not like condemning her. He's not rubbing it in her face saying, oh, you're a horrible follower of me. He's loving her. He's taking her broken pieces and trying to put her back together. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. You're worried and upset over so many different things. He calls her by name. He doesn't look at her and say, kitchen help. He doesn't look at her and say, distraction. He doesn't look at her and say, missed opportunity. He calls her by her name. In the New Living Translation, the translation that we read from this morning, it says, my dear sweet Martha. And the reason why the translators say that is because they really want to get at the heart of Jesus when he's saying her name. Originally, Jesus said her name twice, though. Martha, Martha. In those days, if you said a name twice, it really emphasized your care and compassion for that person. And so when Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, he's saying, I have compassion for you. But if we look at the context of the New Testament, we see there's something even more beautiful about it. Every single time that Jesus says a name twice in this way, with compassion, he's crying. When Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem, just before he enters it on Palm Sunday, he's about to save them, right? He's about to go in there, be their Messiah. He cries and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you're missing it. You're missing the point. When he's on the cross, he's crying. My God, my God. And so now hop into the scene and how do you suppose he's talking to Martha? Martha. Martha. I wonder, I wonder, is your soul hearing God say your name like that right now? He's not condescending you. He's not shaming you. He's not telling you you've missed your opportunity. He's having compassion on you. It's breaking his heart. And that's not in a way that you should feel bad about. It's because he feels bad about what's happening in your life. God is a good parent. And those of you who are parents, I see the way that you look at your kids. My wife is a first grade teacher and sometimes I'll go over there and I'll, and I'll stop by and on my way out I'll see the pickup line. There are parents who are there like an hour and a half early just waiting outside the door. Like It's almost like a puppy dog, right? It's like you just love your kids so much. Sometimes if I'm dropping something off in the morning or whatever that might be, I'll see parents dropping their kids off and I'll just see their look as they watch their kid. Like, I love, I just love you. I'm cheering for you. If I, I would do anything to make this day perfect for you. I would do anything. And when God sees us misprioritizing our time, trying to fill up on the wrong stuff, getting obsessed with stuff over him and over people, Getting obsessed with hobbies over love. God looks at it, he's like, oh, I would do anything to help you see it. And so he does. What is it that you're so worried about? What is it that you're so upset about? The truth is, even though sometimes it's stuff that matters, in the grand scheme of everything, it's, it's sand. The things that we worry about in time, can be redeemed and reconciled by the God who made time. You don't have to be broken up into pieces spread across the floor. See Jesus coming into the room, saying your name, picking up your pieces, and making you whole again.
When you find yourself in this situation, don't run from God, but instead seek the kingdom of God and ask this question. What can I surrender to Jesus? Can we ask that right now? Every single one of us. What can I surrender to Jesus now? For me, I need to surrender my worry to Jesus right now. I need to surrender my fears to Jesus right now. I've been struggling with this lately. And there are real things happening across the world that really scare us, right? You see the news, you've seen what's happening in Ukraine. What good do my worries do? And I get it, I live here in Iowa. What could I possibly do to make a difference? Well, I want to tell you this. You're a part of a church who's partnered with a, with a ministry called Convoy of Hope. They're already working to provide resources and aid for people who are in Ukraine right now. They're already working and making progress to make it possible for people to escape Ukraine and seek refuge. They're already doing that. Like you're a part of a church that's doing something. But I get it. Sometimes we feel helpless. We're worried. We're upset. We feel like we're broken all over the floor. What does it matter how I spend my time now? What difference could I possibly make? Never, never forget about the power of a conversation with your creator. When we are so afraid about what's happening in time, what if we spoke to the creator of time first? It's what Mary did. You think she didn't have other things to do? Of course she did. But she chose what was important, to sit at the feet of her creator Sit at the feet of her creator. Will you do that? Maybe before we react so quickly to what's happening in the world, we might talk to the creator of the world. I know it's become trendy these days to say thoughts and prayers aren't enough. I, I don't know. I have a hard time with that. Prayer leads to action. Prayer leads to difference. But what if before we started trying to solve the problems of the world, we talked to the creator of the world first? What is it that Jesus is saying, I can take that off your hands? You don't have to carry this into all of the solutions that you've made up about the things that you have to get done. What is it? Man, think how much better we could spend our time. Think how much better we could prioritize our time if we weren't carrying that kind of weight. What's the weight that you're carrying these days and Jesus is asking you to surrender it? Like I said, for me, it's worry. For me, it's fear. It's not just about the things that are happening in this world. It's also things that are happening inside of me internally. I'm turning 30 this summer. And I don't know why. That's just weird to me. And I hear some of our college students say, oh, I'm turning 20. I'm like, oh, you're so young. And I know that some of you, when you hear me say, I'm turning 30 this summer, you're like, oh, you're so young. But I remember what it was like to turn 20 and think that was crazy. And now I'm turning 30 and that's crazy. And I can't help but think about the time, right? I mean, like, my life has been full of more blessings, more richness, more opportunities, more love than I possibly could have imagined. And at the same time, in these 30 years, there, there's like an endless list of stuff that I haven't done that I wish I would have by now. And that makes me nervous. And I think I need to surrender that to Jesus. I get so caught up in time and think about all these different things that I need to do. 
I mean, sometimes we just need to stop right in our tracks. We need to stop right in our tracks. On Friday of last week, my wife got a minor surgery. Um, I say it's minor, easy for me, right? I was sitting in a room, you know, she was actually enduring it. Um, it was planned, it wasn't, it wasn't urgent. It was important, but not urgent. Sometimes when we handle the important things in our life as they come, the urgent things don't come as frequently, right? Nonetheless, she had surgery, and with that, we spent a lot of time together over the weekend. I didn't preach last weekend. We, we spent time in the house together. On Monday, I was home for almost the entire day hanging out with her. And then on Tuesday, before she was going back to school, she said to me, she goes, ah, I'm sad it's over. And I was like, are you, what? Like, you feel better. This is great. And she said something that I have not been able to stop thinking about since and that I hope changes my life forever. She said, I'll miss spending this time with you. I have been misprioritizing my life. I'm confessing that to you. Because together, we're going to work on this. I love my job. I love that God's given me this passion. It's not more important than her. I have misprioritized my time. I need to surrender things to Jesus for the sake of my health, for the sake of her health, and for the sake of the health that God's going to produce through our marriage. I need to surrender that to Jesus. What do you need to surrender to Jesus? Really think about it. And as you think about it, remember this. Jesus made time. And when I say Jesus made time, I mean, yes, Jesus made time for people, right? Half of Jesus' miracles were interruptions. He was walking somewhere else, someone got in his way, and he said, okay, let's go do this. Jesus made time, and Jesus makes time for you. You show up, you say, God, here I am. God always makes time for you. But Jesus is also the maker of time, right? He created it. In the Bible, it tells us that nothing came into existence except through him. He actually made time. And he made it for you. Jesus did not make you for time. Jesus made time for you. You have time here. That is a blessing. Then even greater than that, Jesus made time for eternity. And you get that. You get that. It's amazing. It's this incredible blessing. The Bible says that Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He suffered the consequences of sin so that we might be made right with God. So we might have that right relationship with God. That we might have the right relationship with the people around us, with life. That we might be able to seek the kingdom of God. Jesus made time for that. Jesus made time for it all. And so someday we're like, oh my goodness, I've gotten to the end of this. I've gotten to the end of this decade. I've gotten to the end of this season. I've gotten to the end of this career. I've gotten to the end of this part of my life. I've gotten to the end of my life. Jesus makes time for you. We're so caught up and worried and broken, concerned 
and stressed out about the things that are happening in time. Don't you know that the maker of time loves you, has compassion for you, says your name tenderly, and says it twice. Jesus made time for you. He made time for you. Spend it wisely. You don't get to control it, but you, get to do, you do get to decide what you prioritize in it. I encourage you to seek the kingdom of God first. Amen. Let's stand on up and sing a song.